Well, good morning. It's good to see each and every one of you here. I hope everybody's fat and happy after Thursday. I know I am. Great time being with family and friends over the holiday. Um, but we are certainly glad you made your way here at Pitts Baptist Church this morning. Um, if you're visiting with us, welcome. Glad that you're here. Uh, we would love to know of your visit with us this morning, and a way that you can help us to do that is reach uh, in front of you in the pew back uh, and grab a care card, and there it has some places for you to fill out your information, and then just put that either in the boxes that are on the round table in the sanctuary lobby or hand it to one of our staff members. Um, but uh, we would love to know of your visit with us. Thank you for being here. On the opposite side of the care card is a place for anyone to fill out any kind of prayer request that you might have. Uh, and also you can put that in the prayer box or if it's more personal nature, uh, feel free to give it to one of our, our staff people. So, but uh, welcome anyway. Uh, there are tons of announcements that we need to get to this morning before we get started. And, and let me say this, I probably will miss a few uh, but you can read them in the lovely messenger. Uh, Garrett worked really hard to getting this together. Uh, and so uh, we only printed like 200 copies, but that's enough for at least one per family. So these are available also in uh, the lobby here. And like I said, everything that I say today will be in there some way, somehow. So make sure that you get that uh, either uh, on your way out or later on. So. Hey, we've got Lottie Moon coming up. Our March for Missions is on December the 19th. Uh, our goal this year is $70,000. We always uh, meet our goal. You guys are always so gracious in giving uh, to Lottie Moon. Lottie Moon is uh, our IMB missions offering that goes totally and completely to support our missionaries on the field. Um, so uh, what we give goes 100% towards that, nothing else. So uh, we'll be, have our March for Missions on December the 19th, and we will collect that offering through January. So uh, just know that that's coming up. Um, December the 12th, uh, coming up here in a couple of weeks, is going to be a fun day. We're going to have a church-wide Christmas party uh, starting at 5 o'clock in the core. Soup and sandwiches will be provided. Uh, we'll have fun games uh, to play, and uh, it may be that uh, the four pastors will be a decorating object uh, that you guys will get to decorate, and there'll be some kind of contest there, so uh, that will be fun. There'll be an ugly sweater contest, so bring out your ugly sweater. Um, Pastor Scott, one year at a staff Christmas party, wore his ugly sweater, and it was just a black sweater with pictures of me, Jonathan, and Kevin Seeger on it. <laughs> That won't win this year. <laughs> um, but sign up for that. Uh, it doesn't cost anything, but we would love for you to bring desserts for that. It's just going to be a fun evening of celebrating together. Um, we're also uh, starting our poinsettia orders. If you want to um, order a poinsettia in, in honor of someone, you can do that. And in the messenger is a, a form that you fill out. Um, the cost is uh, like $10. Uh, to get one of these poinsettias, and they will be on display December the 19th. Uh, so if you would like to do that, go ahead and get that process started by filling out uh, the order form. 
Um, December the 11th is going to be a very special day, too. We are hosting the U.S. Army Band uh, here at the church in this room at 6 o'clock uh, for a Christmas concert. So it's just a time of fellowship together, listening to uh, an incredible band play some Christmas songs. So I know that you will want to make your way back here on December the 11th uh, at 6 o'clock. Uh, today also starts our our Pitts Baptist Church post office. Now what that is, is instead of sticking a stamp on your uh, Christmas cards, um, if you want to do an in-house kind of thing, what you do is you put your, your cards that you would deliver through the mail here in the boxes that are over to my left, just right outside the men's restroom. And there's also a box, this is a way to raise money for Lottie Moon. Um, there's also a box like what you would have spent on delivering these cards. You just make a donation uh, to Lottie Moon. So that we do that every year. Hope you guys take advantage of that. Also, we have our angel tree. We have two of them. We have one here in the lobby of this sanctuary and then one in the lobby of the core. And uh, this year we have several families and lots of tickets still available. And what I would ask for you to do as far as the angel tree goes, there's uh, an instruction sheet that you can take home with you and just follow these instructions, but it's really simple. You take one of the angel tree tags and then you tear it from the ribbon, you put your name on the back of it, and then there's a box on the table right beside the Christmas tree that you put that tag in and then you take the other one home with you buy your gift, and then when you wrap the gift, you tape this to the outside of the gift so that we can keep things squared away like that. But that will be going through December the 12th, so make sure that we uh, get busy getting those gifts in. So, But thank you for uh, your support of the Angel Tree. Uh, the 2022 proposed budget is available today for anyone to get a copy and look over that, and then we will have a budget meeting discussion Next Sunday, December 5th at 5 o'clock in the chapel, that's where we dissect the budget. The budget will be presented. Any questions to be asked uh, and answered will be then. And then on the morning of the 12th, there will be a vote on that budget with no discussion. Um, coming up on December the 4th at 8 in the core is our men's ministry workday. Um, we'll have breakfast at 8 o'clock, and then we will split into ministry teams for missions projects here on campus and with some family members of our church uh, needing some help, we're going to go help them as well. So you sign up for that so we'll know how much to prepare for breakfast. And then lastly, we have the Cards of Hope Women's Ministry event coming up this Thursday, December the 2nd at 6.30 p.m. in the core. The cost is $10 for dinner and the program. And this event is available for uh, ladies sixth grade and up. So, like I said, there's probably something that I missed, and I apologize if I have, but I'm sure if you get this messenger, uh, you will be squared away. But thank you for being here this morning. Let's pray together as we begin our service. Father, we look at our schedule and see it filled with so many things that are worthy of our attention. And we thank you, Father, that we have so much to be thankful for and such a good reason to give back to you and to those around us. Father, I pray that you would help us uh, to be faithful in doing so. Father, thank you for the reason that we have to be thankful, and that is uh, the very gift of your Son, Jesus Christ, 
who gave his life for our sins, Father, that we could have life eternal with you. So God, help us to be ever mindful of, of the wonderful gifts that you have given us, just our health, our clothes, our everything that we have, Father, these common graces that you bestow upon us. But Lord, help us moreover to be thankful for the specific grace of the Lord Jesus coming to die for our sin. Um, Father, we, we pray that all these events that are planned will honor you and will uh, exalt the name of Christ wherever we go and whatever we do uh, in our ministries in the next few days. Lord, we pray that the name of Christ is high and lifted up and exalted. Father, we thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. And I pray, Father, that our worship is acceptable under your sight. I pray, Father, for the believer uh, that it would encourage us to walk more closely with you. And I pray, Father, that if there are those in this room that are unbelievers, Father, that the Holy Spirit would penetrate their heart, allow them to see the need for their Savior in Jesus Christ. And we pray in his name. Amen. Would you stand so we begin our time of worship together? Today is the beginning of the season of Advent. Advent is the season of preparation for Christmas by celebrating the coming or arrival of Jesus the Christ. But Advent is much more than marking a 2,000-year-old event in history. Advent is also a time of anticipation and preparation of the second coming of Christ. Advent is a time of spiritual awakening as we acknowledge our hope for deliverance through Christ. Our faith in the coming of Christ. The joy of the presence of Christ. And the love of Christ. It is these gifts of God through the coming of Jesus Christ that we celebrate each Sunday leading to Christmas. In times past, we looked forward to God's promise of the Messiah 
with great hope and expectation. Today, let us celebrate the light of hope we have in Christ. The glorious hope of the coming Messiah as proclaimed by the prophets. Pronounced by the angels. And pronounced by God through the Virgin Mary. Christ was the hope of the shepherds and the wise men in the past. Christ is the hope to those who endure trials and tribulations today. Christ will be the hope for eternal peace, justice, and righteousness tomorrow. Therefore, on this first Sunday of Advent, we thank God for the expectancy and hope we have in the coming of Christ. Into the night. 
your loving kindness tore through the shadows of my soul. The work is finished, the end is written. Jesus Christ, my
Amen. Thank you, choir. Find Philippians chapter 2 in your copy of the scripture. Looking at the theme this morning, down from his glory. Down from his glory. Ladies and gentlemen, this, uh, this text is possibly the most famous text in the New Testament dealing with the incarnation of Christ. It's believed that the Apostle Paul is quoting from a well-known hymn in the first century church known as the Christ hymn. Now there's speculation in that, but nonetheless that is a common belief that this is a hymn. So uh, Philippians 2, we'll begin in verse 5 and read down through verse 11. But before I do that, uh, let me mention a few things that I very much want to mention to you before we get started. I know Kevin Knight made reference to our Lottie Moon offering. That'll be coming up in a few weeks. And you need to know that our foreign missionaries depend on that. It's... Uh, it's the mission offering from the International Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention. We have approximately 4,500 missionaries on foreign soil around the world. And uh, they are still telling us this year, as last year, it takes them about $60,000 to keep one person, not a family, but one person on the foreign mission field. 60000 a year. That's what it costs. We have two young people in our congregation, Katie Cloys and Brandon Brooks. They serve as IMB missionaries around the world in very difficult places. So we, we have two of that 4500 We did not increase the goal with inflationary concerns this year that we didn't have at the same time last year. We thought we, we probably should leave the goal where it was last year, 70000 But you'll remember last year was a record-giving year for us for Lottie Moon. We gave over $105,000. And so we're counting on you to do the same this year. Uh, we know last year some people had the stimulus checks and didn't need those, and they gave those to missions. So there were certain things happening last year that helped boost but nonetheless, keep in mind, we have two young people at a cost of $60,000 apiece to, to stay on the foreign mission field where they are. So give generously uh, this Christmas season. I'd like to challenge you to make that your biggest gift to, to anything this Christmas season. And let me say secondly, as you look around the sanctuary this morning, thank you to all of those who showed up. And uh, this week, and specifically yesterday, and, and help to decorate the campus. It helps get us in the Christmas spirit, doesn't it? And then thirdly, let me mention the Norton family. Pat Norton in our church, and Debbie, her daughters, Debbie and Christy Norton. Uh, Pat lost a daughter Friday night, uh, Margie, who lives in Michigan, uh, at the beginning of the week, Margie was diagnosed with COVID-19, and she did pass away Friday night somewhere between about 5 and 6 p.m. And so pray for Pat and pray for Debbie and Christy Norton in our church, if you would please. Would you stand now for the reading of God's Word, down from His glory. 
We're going to look this morning specifically at the incarnation, the humiliation, and the exaltation. And I hope as we read the text, you can pick up on those three aspects in this text. Paul says in verse 5, Have this mind in you which was also in Christ Jesus. Who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. But emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father we thank you for this text. This inspired text in scripture. And that you have included it in the canon of Scripture. Lord, that we can behold something of the life of Jesus, his incarnation, and and why he came to this earth. And Lord, it's amazing how he humbled himself, and he did so for our needs. And you've exalted him. And one one of these days... The scripture says every knee will bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to your glory. What a day that will be. But God, I thank you that even now we have the opportunity to name the name of Jesus and proclaim and exalt his name above every name. And if there's even one here this morning who doesn't know Christ in a personal way, God, that today that your Holy Spirit would move upon their hearts, draw them to faith in Christ, convicting them of their sin and bringing them to to faith and repentance. And that they would begin today the journey of salvation, of knowing Christ as their Lord. Thank you for this season that we have every year whereby we are reminded that you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Lord, we have good news to celebrate this Christmas season. Thank you for giving us this good news. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Probably the news that has shocked the world more than anything else up to that time of someone stepping down from a very high position that they enjoyed would be what happened on December the 11th of 1936 when King Edward VIII abdicated his throne, the throne of England, because of his love for an American woman who had been divorced, an American woman by the name of Wallace Simpson. You see, because 
Edward was also the king of England and the uh, the, as the king of England, he was also head of the Church of England, the Anglican Church. The church forbade uh, remarriage after divorce. And so in order to marry the love of his life, Wallace Simpson, he had to give up his throne, which much of the world didn't understand. But anybody who's ever been in love probably did understand. And he did just that. He stepped aside from the throne, laid the crown aside so that he could marry Miss Simpson. Well, folks, in the text before us, we read of how the Lord Jesus Christ, because of his love for you and me, abdicated his heavenly throne. To come to the earth and die on a cross. He came to dwell with man and to die for man. He gave up heaven's throne for Calvary's tree. As C.S. Lewis once wrote, he said, In the Christian story, God descends to reascend. He comes down, down from the heights of absolute being into time and space, down into humanity, but he goes down to come up again and bring the whole ruined world up with him. Amen? Folks, there are people all around us this Christmas season who won't really understand what this season of the year is all about. Some people look at Christmas as it's just a secular event. It's an event whereby we can show goodwill to one another. We can buy our loved ones gifts and we can just celebrate goodwill together in the world. There are others who recognize, yes, this is a religious holiday, but they have no clue what it's really about and what it stands for. And that's why I want to cover this text this morning in the weeks leading up to Christmas now. Philippians chapter 2 verses 5 through 11 deals with the incarnation of Jesus Christ from a theological perspective. As I mentioned earlier, this text is regarded as one of the most important texts in the Bible, maybe the most important text in the Bible when we talk about the incarnation of Christ. And in it, we see the whole scope of Jesus' life and work. We see why he came to to the earth. We're told about his incarnation. He came in the flesh in order to identify with us, but ultimately in order to die for us. And in dying for our sin, we see that his death was not the end because on the third day he was raised again and he ascended back to the Father. And there he lives and reigns today. I want you to notice with me first of all today that the incarnation of the Lord Jesus. Paul says, have this mind among yourselves which was also in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God did not, equal, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men. Now let me stop and just say a word this morning about the incarnation. Lest you think that the incarnation doesn't apply very much to you in, in 2021, 
Let me tell you that it has everything to do with you and me. We're going to see the application points of Christ humbling himself by by coming in the flesh. Which says that you and I need to humble ourselves. If the very Son of God stooped so low and condescended to us, then you and I need to stoop low for one another. We need to condescend to one another and put one another ahead of ourselves. But we will also see that because Christ came in the flesh... He offered that once for all sacrifice for sin that never has to be redone. So does the incarnation of Christ apply to you and me today? Absolutely. In fact, I would say that there's probably nothing else that applies any more to our lives than the incarnation of Christ. Now, in pleading, you need to understand what Paul is doing here in the first four verses that we didn't even cover. We looked at this text a couple of years ago and we concentrated on those first four verses. I'm not doing that today. But in those first four verses, Paul is pleading with the church members there at Philippi that they would look after one another, that they would quit elevating themselves and that they would put others first and look after others needs and in pleading with church members to do that Paul begins by saying what you need to do is to have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus because this is what Christ did he came to this earth for your needs for my needs He put us first. Jesus did not selfishly hang on to what was already his by divine right. John 1.14 says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. I want you to think of the journey that Jesus took in leaving heaven and coming to this earth. Some of you will be taking journeys this Christmas season. Over the hills and through the woods to grandmother's house you go. You know what it is to pack up the car and go on a journey. But I want you to think of this journey of the Lord Jesus. He made a journey from a throne to a cradle to a cross and back to his throne again. It was a journey where where he stepped out of eternity past into the present and then again all the way into eternity future. Folks, did you realize that there is no recorded birth in Scripture after the birth of the Lord Jesus? Did you know that the genealogy given of Jesus in the Gospels is the last genealogy that is given in the Scriptures? Why? Why would his birth be the last birth, the last genealogy recorded? Because he's what the entire Bible is all about. The the whole entire Old Testament was leading up to Jesus Christ. He's what the entire scripture is all about. I never get tired of, I try to read a poem to y'all at least once a year. 
And I never tire of doing this. It's entitled One Solitary Life. And it says this, more than 2,000 years ago, there was a man born contrary to the laws of life. This man lived in poverty and was reared in obscurity. Only once did he cross the boundary of the country in which he lived. And that was during his exile in childhood. In infancy, he startled the king. In childhood, he puzzled the doctors. In manhood, he ruled the course of nature, walked upon the billows as if on pavement, and he hushed the sea to sleep. He never wrote a book, and yet all the libraries of the world could not hold all the books that have been written about him. He never wrote a song, and yet he has furnished the theme for more songs than all the songwriters combined. He never founded a college, but all the schools put together cannot boast of having as many students. Though time has spread many years between the people of this generation and the scene of the crucifixion, yet he still lives. Herod could not destroy him, and the grave could not hold him. He stands forth as the highest pinnacle of heavenly glory, proclaimed by God, acknowledged by angels, adored by saints, and feared by devils as the living personal Christ, our Lord, our Savior, and our God, Jesus Christ. Now notice what verse 6 says. Verse 6, Paul says, Who though he was in the form of God. And the word Paul uses is the word from which we get our word more for morphe. And it doesn't refer to a physical shape. It means the essential nature of something. And it says that in eternity, Jesus Christ existed in the form of God. He was God, uh, God the Son. He had the essential nature of God. In John 1, the Bible says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What John is saying, when time began as we know it, Jesus Christ was already there. There's never been a time that he was not. And he was face to face with God. Eyeball to eyeball. Essentially is what John is saying. On equal standing with God. On equal footing. Again, how can all of this be? Because the word was God. Listen to some passages of scripture. John 5.18 says, Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him, because he had not only broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. John 10 verse 38 says, But if I do, though ye believe not me, believe the works that you may know, and believe that the Father is in me, and I in him. And then in John 14, Jesus saith unto them, Have I been so long a time with you, and yet you've not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? Jesus came in the incarnation to show us what God is like. Because he's the second person of the Godhead. He's God the Son. The Son of the living God. 
It makes me think of, of the kindergarten class where the children were supposed to draw a famous figure and turn it in and little Johnny on the back row hadn't finished yet and, and the teacher walked back there and, and she said, Johnny, you need to turn in your picture. What are you, growing, uh, what are you drawing? And he said, I'm drawing God. She said, Johnny, nobody knows what God looks like. He said, when I get done, they will. <laughs> Well, Jesus came to this earth to show us what God is like. Then reading on in verse 6, it says, He did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He was equal with God in all ways. He was God. He did not cease to be God when he was born into this world. He took on a human nature without giving up his divine nature. And yet he was willing to, to lay down his heavenly glory to come to this earth. He didn't grasp a hold of his privileges as something he ought to do instead of coming to die for us. Now folks, when you think about the birth of the Lord Jesus, you've got to keep in mind that there was no subtraction. Deity was not taken away from Jesus Christ. He did not cease to be God. There was no subtraction when Jesus was born. There was never a time that he was not God. There was never a time when Jesus Christ was man but not God. There was a time when he was God and not man. And so by becoming man, there was no subtraction. He was still equal with God when he was born. And there was no division. He was not part God and part man. He was fully man and yet fully God. He's the God man. And so when Jesus Christ was born, he was equal with God. No subtraction, did not cease to be God, and there was no division. He wasn't part God and part man. But there was addition. He who was God now took upon himself human nature. Now you have deity and humanity in one man. You have God manifesting himself as a man. Listen to what doc, Dr. Stephen Wellam is one of our Southern Baptist theologians at Southern Seminary in Louisville, Kentucky. Listen to what he says about this. He says, and I quote here, It's crucial to think of the incarnation as an act of addition, not subtraction, by the sovereign effectual means of a virgin conception. The Son from the Father and by the supernatural and sanctifying agency of the Spirit without change or loss of His deity added a second nature to Himself consisting of a human body and soul. As a result, the Son permanently added a human dim dimension to His personal divine life and became present to us in a new mode of existence as the incarnate Son. The Son's subsistence and action is now in both natures so that the Son is able to act in both natures 
and produce effects consistent and proper to each nature. Thus, as the incarnate Son, Jesus is able to render human obedience for us as the last Adam and to do a divine work by securing our eternal redemption and justifying us before God as covenant representative and substitute. End quote. That's a mouthful, isn't it? What does all that mean? It means that in it means that Jesus Christ in all ways possesses the attributes of God. He told Nathaniel, I saw you under the fig tree. He said to the paralytic, take up your mat and walk. Your sins have been forgiven you. He assumed the divine prerogative to be able to forgive sins. He said to the storm, the winds and the waves, peace be still. And they obeyed him. He said to a legion of demons, come out of the man and leave him. And they did. He said to the lepers, go show yourselves to the priest. You've been cleansed. And as they were making their way to the priest, they saw that indeed they were clean. And just think about what John's gospel does. John's gospel records certain miracles of Jesus. And the word he uses, Simeon, a sign that points to something else. The people weren't to be sign chasers. They weren't to be miracle chasers. They were to see that these signs, these miracles pointed to God. Jesus was doing signs that everybody knew that only God could do. And so by Jesus doing these signs and miracles that only God can do, who must he be? God. The incarnation. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he did so without ceasing to be God. Why, you ask? So what? Preacher, is this not just a bunch of theological mumbo-jumbo? Absolutely not, folks. This is essential to our Christian faith. Because as the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, it was necessary that a high priest be able to identify with those whom he represents. He had to be made like us. As one like us, he could die in our place. And at the same time, he was the only begotten Son of God. The incarnation is essential to Jesus dying in your place to be your sacrifice for sin. Without it, you would still be in your sin. Or at best, we would still be under the old covenant system of offering sacrifices year after year that they could cover our sins for one more year until the next sacrifice had to be made. And yet our sins would never be taken away. But in Christ, our sins are taken away. So is the incarnation important? You better believe it. I want you to see, secondly, the humiliation of Jesus. 
Verse 6 goes on to say, though Jesus was God and equal with God, he did not consider this as something to be grasped. In other words, he had every right because of who he is, he had every right to hang on to it. The Lord Jesus in eternity who was in the form of God equal with God didn't hold on to that position in eternity but he was willing to leave all of that and come here. In a moment of time he went from the royal robes of glory in heaven to the linen swaddling clothes of a cradle. In a moment he left from the the heavenly praise and the magnificence and glory of all that heaven is and he came to a livestock stable that would have, would have had the odors in it of animal waste. In a moment, Christ came from a throne to a cradle. What a journey. And the Bible goes on to say that in his humiliation, he made himself nothing or of no reputation. Literally, he emptied himself. Well, what does that mean? Did he empty himself of his attributes of God? No. Does it mean that he emptied himself of his deity? No. Colossians 2.9 says, In him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead in, in a body. And so what does it mean to say he emptied himself? It means that Christ laid aside all these prerogatives of his deity. He laid aside his heavenly glory for a time. Now occasionally he allowed people in the gospels to see certain glimpses of his glory. Like when three disciples saw his glory on the Mount of Transfiguration. But the masses of humanity didn't see this. Even the disciples didn't see it constantly. All of his deity there but veiled in human flesh. In fact, Paul goes on to say here that he even became a servant. Folks, had he emptied himself of his heavenly glory to come to this earth, and had he come to this earth as the Roman emperor, the most powerful person on the planet, that would have still been quite a downward journey. But he didn't come as an emperor or a king. He came as a lowly servant. He knows what it's like to be despised. He knows what it's like to be spit upon and mocked. He knows what it's like to be lonely. He knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to stand at the grave of a loved one and weep. He's been there in your shoes. He emptied himself of that glory in heaven that was his. Worshipped by the angels and he came to his own and his own received him not. And so does he know what it's like to be a man? You better believe it. He knows exactly what it's like. You know, it's hard sometimes to see important people, isn't it? Try to get in to see somebody really important with a big title. You probably can't. But with Jesus, when Jesus came, blind people had access to him. Deaf people had access to him. Outcasts had access to him. Even lepers 
had access to him. The good news of Christmas is that you and I today have access to God through his son, Jesus Christ. He's made that possible. He made that possible by coming in the form of a servant. About seven years ago now, I told you a fable that I think is worth repeating. A man by the name of Walter working in the mailroom of one of the world's largest corporations. Now remember folks, this is a fable. In the corner one day, he saw a mouse and he was going to go over and kill that mouse. And the mouse spoke to him and said, don't kill me. My name is Milton and I can give you whatever your heart desires. And Walter said, I want to be important in this company. Milton said, granted. And so he quickly began raising up, rising up through the ranks. Walter said, Milton, I want to be the most important person in this company. And Milton saw to it, granted him that wish. And he became the president and CEO of that corporation. And his office was in the top, the, on the top floor of the penthouse suite of that corporation. And Walter was quite, quite enamored with his importance. But one day he heard somebody up on the roof ab above him. And he went up there and he saw a little boy down on his knees praying. And he said, son, who are you praying to? Are you praying to Walter? I'm Walter. And the little boy said, no, sir. I don't know you. I'm praying to God. Walter ran back down to his office and called for the little mouse Milton and said, Milton, I've got something else I want you to do for me. And Milton said, now you understand this is your last request. And he said, I understand that. Milton said, what is it? He said, I want to be like God. And so the next day, he was a servant back down in the basement in that mill room. That's what Jesus Christ did. He came to the mailroom, if you will. He humbled himself. He left the penthouse of heaven to come to the mailroom of earth. Folks, when Jesus was born, he not only was born, born in, in, a, in a cradle, a manger... But he was born to go to a cross. You know, they didn't make Jesus die on the cross. They didn't force him to die on the cross. The Bible says he was obedient unto death. And that means he willingly died. He didn't have to die because he was sinless. You and I have to die because the wages of sin is death. But Jesus willingly died. He died for you and for me. 
And that's what Christmas is all about. He became obedient unto death. He, he made the choice to die. He decided to die. He was willing to die. He obediently died. He wasn't on the cross because uh, of some obligation that others put on him. He was on the cross because of God's love for you and me. Too often modern people think that the cross is just something decorative. You know, you go over here to our chapel and you look at the top of the steeple and on the top there's what? There's a cross. Or Many of you perhaps this morning have a cross around your neck and I, I hope you're wearing it for the right reasons. But a lot of people in the world just wear it to be nice jewelry. But folks, the cross was an ugly way to die. In the first century. It was a place of pain. And a person would die a thousand deaths on the cross before they actually died. It was a terrible death of asphyxiation. When Jesus died on the cross it, it, it was a place of pain and a place of shame. Years ago when he was still alive, Dr. Death, Jack Kevorkian said, You know, had, had I been around back in the days of Jesus, Jesus wouldn't have had to have died the way he did. He, he could have died, he could have died a dignified death in my van instead of being hung on a cross and, and pierced and his blood poured out. He could have died in a more dignified way. Well, I got news for Jack Kevorkian, Jesus didn't come to die a dignified death. He came to die the death on the cross. A shameful death. It was a place of curse. Galatians 3.13 says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Now again, to Paul's point here, Paul is saying when you look at what Jesus Christ did for you, it ought to be unthinkable that you and I as followers of Christ would put ourselves above one another and expect other people to serve us. If the King of kings and Lord of lords came to this earth, humbled himself in obedience even to the death of a cross, you and I should, should humble ourselves for each other. Amen? From the shadows of God, Golgotha's hill, what, what do we hear the cry when it comes to his death for our sin? It is finished. Whatever had to be done for sin, Whatever had to be done for sin to be forgiven and the slate wiped away in your behalf and my behalf, Jesus Christ accomplished that. Well, thirdly, I want you to see the exaltation of the Lord Jesus. Verse 9, Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus humbled himself, but notice what Paul says here. God 
exalted him. And he has a name now. King of kings and Lord of lords. He's the wonderful counselor. The mighty God. The everlasting father. And the prince of peace. His name is above all names. By his name we have the forgiveness of sins. Romans 10, 9 and 10. By his name we have peace with God. Romans 5, 1. By his name we have access into God's presence. Romans 5, 2. You know, in heaven there are many great names. There's the name of Noah, the name of Abraham, the name of Moses, the name of Elijah. There's great angels in heaven. There's there's Gabriel who came to announce Jesus' birth. There's Michael, the archangel. There are the seraphim who were flying around the throne that Isaiah saw them crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But I'm here to tell you there is no greater name than the name of Jesus. Revelation 5 says a search was being made. God was seated on his throne and a search was being made as to someone who could be worthy to go and take the scroll out of the hand seated on the throne and a search was made throughout heaven and on the earth and even under the earth that is all who have died and no one was found worthy and John began to weep and all of a sudden he was told don't weep there is one who is worthy Jesus the lion of the tribe of Judah he is worthy And Paul says there's coming a day that every single knee is going to bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Think of it, folks. Even those who have cursed him in life are going to have to confess him. Pilate will be raised. The resurrection of the just and the unjust. Pilate unjust will be raised and remember what Pilate said he said I find no basis for a charge against this man and yet he he surrendered him over to be crucified and he tried to wash the blood off of his hands but he can't Pilate will have to confess Jesus one day Caiaphas the high priest who said it's better that one should die than the whole nation he will have to confess Richard Dawkins, the well-known evolutionist and atheist today, there'll be a day Richard Dawkins will have to bow his knee and confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And even the devil and his angels will have to confess that indeed he's the son of the living God. Every knee bowing and and every tongue confessing. Folks, what a joy you and I have to be able to do that now. Can you imagine the horror of those who've rejected Christ down through the centuries? One day at their resurrection, when they have to bow before him and acknowledge who he is before they hear the words, depart from me, I never knew you. This morning, what about you? 
Do you need to confess him? Confess him before men even now. Jesus said on one occasion, if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. But if you'll confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father who is in heaven. Have you ever confessed him before men? Have you ever said, Jesus Christ is Lord? And Jesus, I want you to have, I, I give you complete control of my life because I'm yours. You're sovereign God anyway. I want you to rule my life as Lord. Have you ever made that confession? You know, as R.G. Lee, one of the most famous preachers in American history said, He became the Son of Man that we might become the children of God. He became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God. He became exceedingly sorrowful that we might have joy unspeakable and full of glory. He became poor that we might be made rich. He became a partaker of our human nature that we might become partakers of His divine nature. He became weary that we might have rest. He was, a born, he was born in a manger. That we might one day live in a mansion. He was homeless. That we might have eternal habitations. He was condemned for us. That we might be justified. He became a servant. That we might become kings and priests with God. He bore our chastisement that we might have peace with God. He was wounded for our transgressions that we might be forgiven. He bore our stripes that we might be healed. He was, he was stripped that we might be clothed. He was cut off that we might be brought near. He was made a curse that we might receive the blessing. He was forsaken that we might never be forsaken. He died that we might live. He entered the realm of darkness that we might dwell in the kingdom of light. He was silent that we might speak. He was humbled that we might be exalted. He was rejected that we might be accepted. He became like us that we might be made like him have you ever confessed him before men if not you're going to have the opportunity to do that in, in just a few minutes I'm going to ask Pastor Kevin if he'd come and stand here with me in just a moment and maybe you want to come down from one of these aisles or come down out of the balcony and make your way forward and tell us I need Christ I need Christ in my life. It's time that I confess Him as Lord before men. We'll be happy to pray with you. Are you still confessing Him before men if you're a believer? Are you confessing Him with your life as well as with your lips? Do people around you know that you're a follower of Christ? Are there people that you know this Christmas season living in darkness and you have the greatest news of all to tell them about? Will you do so? You know, still there might be others who want to simply come to this altar this morning and say, Lord, thank you that you made that journey the greatest of all journeys in humbling yourself to come to this earth as a servant and you were obedient to death, even death on a cross that I might have life and the forgiveness of my sins and I just want to bow in gratitude to you 
You don't have to come to this altar. As we sing the hymn of invitation right there in your pew, you can have that attitude of being bowed before him in gratitude, giving him thanks. Father, again, we thank you for this text. A wonderful, wonderful text of Scripture. Because in it, we see our hope. Our hope is in Jesus and only Jesus. Lord, thank you that you left the ivory palaces of heaven to come to a sin-sick world. And to die for us on the cross. Lord, I pray this Christmas season that we would tell at least one other person about you. Especially if there's somebody in our circles of influence that we know that that doesn't know you. That we would tell them about Jesus the one who is the light of the world, so that they don't have to keep walking in darkness. And Father, I pray that every day of our lives would be a day lived in gratitude, that we would present ourselves as a living sacrifice before you, that we would live for Christ. He gave up so much. He's worthy of our all. Lord, may we give our all, may we give our best to the only one who's worthy. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray.